Pastor Xavier Reese explains the accountability for sin is on the sinner. Samuel declared that people were guilty of turning away from God. They brought the oppression on themselves. Don't miss that. Underline it. And when they forgot their God, the Lord their God, Yahweh, we are the problem. God does not believe in dysfunctionalism. Enablers, codependent. We bring things on ourselves. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In this wireless age and the 24-hour news cycle, the court of public opinion can be pretty damning. But still, even that can't hold a prayer to the court of the divine throne. And in today's Simple Truth study, Pastor Xavier takes us into the heavenly courtroom of the God on high, in which the proven character of the faithful prophet Samuel went on trial, in contrast to the uncertainty of the people's king, Saul. Let's listen. Now, many have called chapter 12 of Samuel his farewell speech, but this is inaccurate. For Samuel will continue to be involved and used of God to guide and direct the nation. God will still be the one over the nation through Samuel, his priestly and prophetic function, evident of the fact that he will be the one to reject Saul by God's direction and anoint David to come. So he's still in the picture. He's not bowing out. This is not a farewell speech. Samuel is marking the clear transition to the monarchy. And he renews the covenant with the people along with their king Saul here after God has given victory over the Ammonites. So let me read here and then we'll break it down. 1 Samuel 11. In 14, I'll begin there. It says, Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. And so all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifice, peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Now Samuel said to all of Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now... Here is your king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you for my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or who, 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 whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whom, uh, or for whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, you have not cheated or oppressed us, um, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and has anointed his witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone to Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their father, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hands of the king of Moab and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served Baals and Ashtoreth. 
But now deliver us from the hand of the enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Bedon, Jephthah, Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw the Nash, Naash, king of Ammonites, come against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then both you and your king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was in the days of your father or against your fathers. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Uh, is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, and uh, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins and the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things and cannot profit and deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because he has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and cease praying for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth and with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Samuel makes a clear distinction here. Now the transition to the monarchy. And he's renewing the covenant along with the king after the victory of the Ammonites. And it's characterized by the following. First, verse 14 there of chapter 11 down to 25. We have the faithful heart of Samuel in view of covenant. The faithful heart of Samuel. Then chapter 12, verse 6 on down to 15. The faithless heart of the people in view of covenant. And then in 16 through 25, the faithful heart of God in view of the covenant. And he lays it out one step at a time. Let's begin here. Verse 14 on down to 5 of the 12th chapter. The faithless heart of Samuel in view of the covenant. Take note that the occasion was after the victory of the Ammonites, as I've said. This is the context. Samuel commanded the people to gather at Gilgal to renew the kingdom. The word renew simply means to reaffirm the kingdom. Now look at verse 15. Samuel and the nation celebrated the transition to monarchy. The response was unanimous. All the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. Because remember, some guys were against him there at Gilgal. And they, they were sons of Belial. They said, well, why should we serve him? But now all of a sudden, now the victory is here. Now the fellowship was unity. He says, all may sacrifice peace offerings before the Lord. So they were right with God. They were fellowshipping with God with each other. That's what a peace offering is. And the gladness was contagious. Men of Israel rejoiced greatly along with Saul. So all of a sudden, this transition that's been working from chapter 1 comes now. 
Notice the occasion was used by Samuel to declare his blameless character as God's servant, giving the atmosphere here of a divine courtroom, okay? This is not his farewell speech. It's a divine courtroom. He's going to charge these people. Look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12. Samuel declared his lifelong service to the people. He had heeded the request for a king. In verse 1 he says, he did your voice, that all that, I, all that you said, and I made the king over you. And now he had lived in the public life also, all his life under all scrutiny. When God calls you up front, everybody gets a shot at you. And Samuel understood this. Listen to his words. And now here is a king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Now, the contrast between Saul is not a mere description of Saul and Samuel, but a contrast of wisdom and proven character, because this is what it is. This is a courtroom. Their king Saul now was walking before the people. They don't know him. They've been warned about him, but they want him. Samuel's gray-headed. He's been walking since he's a child at Shiloh, and they knew, and they know that he's blameless. This is the contrast here. Now look at verse 3. Samuel declared his integrity in the service of God and the people. He challenged anyone to make a charge against him. First before God. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord Yahweh, the covenant name of God that he gave to Moses, okay? By this name I'll be known, always. Second, before Saul the king, before his anointed, okay? Now, the challenge then came to accuse him of any ethical dishonesty in various areas. First he says, if he had stolen from anybody, whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Now, the king they just chose would do this. The word take it's the same as when he gave, he warned them, he's going to take your children, he's going to take your fields, he's going to take your taxes, he's going to take, 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 take. Okay? He didn't, but the guy that they have there, he's going to do it. If he had abused his power and authority on anyone, whom have I oppressed? It means to crush. God helped the people who have power and authority, and they use it to crush people, to break people, to serve themselves. God helped the man and woman when they stand before God. The king before them would be guilty of this very thing, but not Samuel. If it had been greedy or perverted judgment, or from whose hand have I received any bribe to blind my eye? The law spoke strictly against us. It would give favor to a person, but the king standing before them would corrupt judgment. Absolutely. If Samuel was guilty of any of these things, he says he would make it good. I will restore it to you. The king before them would do all these things and he would never restore anything. Here's the contrast. Now look at 4 and 5. Samuel is declared innocent of any unethical conduct in his many years of service in life. In verse 4 there, the people answered unanimously affirming his innocence. And they said, you have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And in 5... The prophet Samuel proclaimed they were not innocent before God, but guilty. So now that he's clear, now that they know he's a man of integrity, they have nothing against him, they have to believe his words. He's not lying. Now he turns it around and he nails them as a good prosecuting attorney. Listen, 
Then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you. Wow. The prophet also affirmed the witness of Saul about his innocence and has anointed his witnesses they that you have not found anything in my hand. And the people responded and they answered, he is witness. Character. It has been said that character is who you are. A reputation is who you think you are or other people think you are. Integrity by those who lead, very important. The opportunity for people to renew their commitment to God is something that should always be encouraged by pastors and leaders to the people who come to the church. Those who are new believers as they begin their walk and, and they don't understand the warfare completely, their babes, that they stumble and that, and the same would condemn them, that we're there to undergird them, not to be permissive and all that, but to encourage them to confess this and to get right and teach the warfare and, and, and the word and all that so they can grow strong. Those who fall into grave sin after being in Christ many years sometimes make bad choices. And then there are severe consequences that come upon their life. We as pastors and leaders are here to encourage you to trust the grace of God, to repent, to get right, and that His grace is sufficient. But you've got to walk in the Spirit so you can handle the consequences. You understand? But you can't turn it around and blame others. You're responsible for your life. But God is sufficient if you will walk in the Spirit and obey His Word. That's the key. Those who backslide and some go back in the world, that we would encourage them to come back to the Lord, lest they should perish. Jeremiah 3.22 says, Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord Yahweh our God. That's the hope of the reflection, even the prodigal son. I know what I will do. I will rise up and say to my father, I'm not longer worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against God and you. Make me the least of your servants. That's what we hope the importance of having pastors and leaders in the church of good reputation based on characters of the greatest value. Moses refers to his faithfulness to God in his farewell speech in Deuteronomy 31. And he also, like here in this section, asks, anybody has something against me? Joshua did the same thing in Joshua 23, 24. Every Christian needs to live life in such a way with high integrity that no one can accuse them. And as Peter says that they do, the only thing they can do is know that they're wrong. So you live in such a way to prove them wrong. And that if we do fail in any area, that we would be the first to say, listen, I'm sorry, I blew it, please forgive me. I shouldn't have to be chased to repent. You understand? It should first come from me, realizing my failure. Lest we would hinder people from hearing and accepting the message of the gospel. First Timothy 4.12 says, let no one despise your youth. Be an example to the believer. In word, in example, uh, in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. In every way, in every place. No one's talking about perfection, but there's a vast difference between us before Christ and now in Christ. We should be progressing and always ready to humble ourselves. The leaders of a nation are of the utmost importance and value for the people that they are uh, serving and as they rule over people, the city leaders affect the safety and services and the financial investment of people, their homes, what they allow in that city. The state mayors and governors are responsible to keep the people out of debt by not spending more than they take in, knowing that they are supposed to be servants of the people. Senators and congressmen are to represent the will and desire of the people in their district and their states. 
not having personal interest, and to sell out for bribes and gifts or simple power. The President of the United States has to understand that he is not above the law or the Constitution. Every president will bear a heavy judgment before God. Every congressman, every senator, every person in leading authority. You understand what I'm saying? The days of Isaiah identify the days of our own nation today as leaders believe that American people uh, or America simply, you know, that we are their ATM card. Listen to Isaiah 10, 1 through 3. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune, which they have prescribed to rob the needy of justice, and to take what is right from the poor of my people. The widows may be their prey, and that they may rob the fatherless. What will you do in the day of punishment, and in the desolation which will come upon you afar? To whom will you flee for help, and where will you leave your glory? Woe to every politician who is a parasite and serves themselves when they stand before God. The faithful heart of Samuel in view of covenant was blameless. Blameless. This is what leaders are supposed to be. Human, but blameless, not crooks. Very important. Now notice secondly, verse 6 to 15. We have the faithless heart of the people in view of covenant. In verse 6 through 11, the prophet Samuel reminded them of their rebellious history in the past, breaking covenant before the courtroom of God here. Having established his credibility, now he stands as a prosecuting attorney now. Samuel declares his opposition, or his proposition here, that God had delivered them from Egypt, not Moses and Aaron. Listen carefully, don't miss it. Verse 6, the instruments God used were human. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord, Yahweh, who raised up Moses and Aaron. The deliverance was by God and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. It was God who did it, but we get our eyes on man. And so in verse 7, Samuel called them to hear now how God was just with the dealings of the people throughout history because everybody always blames God, right? He's unjust, and why was God do this and that? And and he has got them in a courtroom before God, the judge, and he's going to show them how they're guilty before God. God is accusing them. He's made that very clear. Notice verse 7 there. Samuel commanded them to be present before God here. Now, therefore, stand still. The word stand means to present or to station oneself. They were presenting themselves before the divine judge in heaven here. The legal process has three parts. The charges and evidence, the examination of that evidence, and the verdict in view of the evidence. And this is what is followed here. Look at 7 still. Samuel declared the purpose, that I may reason with you before the Lord. The word reason there means justice and judgment. In the context, it means he was going to act as a lawyer in litigation or trial before the judge to expound to them about his justice. The witness is Yahweh. He says it clearly right there. Notice Samuel stated the topic concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord Yahweh, which he did to you and your fathers. Samuel was going to vindicate the justice of Yahweh regarding his treatment of the people in their history. Samuel included the time period from the fathers 
to the present. So he makes a general sweep with some examples, which is sufficient for their history. Look at A. Samuel summarized their deliverance from Egypt and their arrival to Canaan, characterized by three things. First, their oppression. When Jacob had gone to Egypt, they were oppressed. Second, their call out to God. And your fathers cried out to the Lord Yahweh. Third, their deliverance. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought you, your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. This is a threefold step that will follow in what he's going to pick up now with the book of Judges. Oppression, crying out, and deliverance. It was a cycle that people never, never walked consistent with God. It was up and down, up and down, and that's a carnal life. That's a tragic life. You understand? This is what God was charging them with. Look at verse 9 and 10. Samuel declared the people were guilty of turning away from God. They brought the oppression on themselves. Don't miss that. Underline it. And when they forgot their God, the Lord their God, Yahweh, we bring things on ourselves. We are the problem. God does not believe in dysfunctionalism. Enablers, codependent. They were judged by God, allowing them to be conquered by their enemies. Notice in 9 there. So he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. He turned them over. Judges chapter 4. They called out to God. Here comes the next thing. Verse 10. Repenting. Then they cried out to the Lord Yahweh. We have sinned. That's good, if it's sincere. Second, confess their sin. Because we have forsaken the Lord Yahweh and served Baals and Ashrams, male and female, gods of fertility. We've gone through this before. And they pleaded for their deliverance, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. This is the cycle that they went through. And so in verse 11, Samuel names some of the judges God used to deliver the people. He says, And the Lord sent Jerubabel. There in verse 11. Jerubabel means let Baal contend because he was brought up in a pagan home. But his name was changed to Gideon, which means hewer because he cut down the idol. Remember? When God called him. He delivered him from the Midianites. Judges 6, 7, 8, and 9. We have the story. The second one is Badan. Is believed to be Barak, Deborah's general who delivered them from Sisera after the order that we see in Hebrews 11.32. Some believe maybe it's another one. It's a, uh, there's an error in the name, Abdan, and that's possible with transcription. Uh, judges 4.5 or Judges 11 and 12. Either way, he's taking Judges to show the same message as we'll see. Then he says, Jabta. He was a judge who delivered them from the Ammonites in verse 11 there. And finally, he mentions himself, Samuel, who recently had delivered them from the hand of the Philistines at Mizpah in chapter 7. Remember? Because these are all judges. Samuel's the last of the judges. Now, all these and others were used by God to deliver the people in their obedience to God. Listen to what he says. And delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwell in safety. As long as they followed the Lord, the word of the Lord, they were secure, they were saved. It's just real simple. That's the way it is with you, and it is with me. Well, with that, we're going to have to break into our Simple Truth study for today, as Pastor Xavier illustrates with the judges of Israel how there is safety in the obedience to the Lord. 
And you can listen to this program again for any part that you may have missed just by clicking on the radio listings link when you log on to calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's much more to come next time as well. And if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is simply Samuel's Renewal of the Covenant. It's available, as always, on CD for only $4. And why not pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through? So once again, the title to ask for is Samuel's Renewal of the Covenant, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com